Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me, as always, Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your College Hooper of the Week this week is Corey Fisher, former point guard from the Villanova Wildcats from the Bronx, uh, went to St. Patrick, and I believe Kyrie Irving succeeded him maybe a few years after that at St. Patrick's. That's quite a point guard pipeline right there. But Corey Fisher, former point guard for Villanova. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at colin at royaldigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at royaldigital.co. You can contact them if you have any small business needs, like I said, or if you need a kick in the pants. I actually got a message from our friend Colin basically saying, hey, I know you stated that you had your mind right and you were ready, but it didn't sound like it early on. I think that was a veiled attack. I think that was a subtle jab, basically saying, look, if you're going to sound like a bum, at least don't do it during my promo. So I hope this sounded better for you there, Cheese. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Gentlemen, for the last time during the season, we're going to open the curtains. just get a few housekeeping items out of the way first and foremost one it's april fool's day don't get don't get jobbed don't get don't get caught with your pants down all right always verify the source whatever you see on twitter make sure it's not that little number seven inside the white dot next to him that's not a verification mark look for the verification mark okay i don't want taylor i don't want you thinking like Aaron Rodgers has demanded a trade because Devontae is gone. Shark, I don't want you thinking that Dan Snyder is cooking up the books with two different uh, books to to make sure. Did you not like that? Was that good? That seems. <laughs> Come on, I got it's a little. Bad. It's not bad. 
And, and let me tell you, your reading during our, the RDM was good, too. I don't know what he's talking about. I well, see that iced coffee over there. You're ready to roll. This guy's ready to rock and roll right now. This is a big show. This actually sounds like a self-warning to Subi himself, because if there's one guy out of the three that I think gets duped the most by fake Twitter, uh, fake tweets, it's Subi himself. No, 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 no. That's not true. Actually, loyal listener uh, King Doyle, Patrick Doyle, last year got duped on a Baker Mayfield tweet. I think someone, I, I forget who they said that they were like, yeah, let's bring it, bring in this guy for Baker. Remember, this was last year, but Patrick just basically said, that's a fucking stupid idea. <laughs> he was angry. And of course, it turned out to be a fake tweet. But just remember, folks, be very vigilant. Be very vigilant. I don't want you getting caught with your pants down. Shark, you had a little bit of a grievance. Why don't we get to that point as well? We have a few items that I want to hit on before hitting the final four, but you got a little bit of a, a bracket grievance, huh? Oh, you're, I, so I brought this up on the last episode before we got on here and we we're hanging out in our room and I was doing the scenario generator on Yahoo, which is one of my favorite tools out there. Like we got the electricity, we got the wheel, we got air conditioning, and we have the Yahoo scenario generator that shows up in the March Madness brackets where you can play yourself out and figure out if you're still in it. Um, and as I'm doing it, I, I know I referenced this on the last show, how I was stuck in the Chinese finger trap between two of my, my best friends, loved ones. That just picked the bracket out of thin air and it started, it dawned on me. They probably listened to the podcast where I put my picks out there and then just followed me to put me into that finger trap. So Amber and pancakes, I know you did it. I know you put me in this spot where I can't go and win the bracket, but by the way, I can also win the Providence criers bracket, which would be even a better taste in my mouth. If I could go into those Providence hyenas and come out on top and just uh, Come grab my trophy and then just two-step my way down the street and see him next year. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We may have a, a little bit of a public spat here. You're in a separate bracket with the Providence guys? Of course. Is that what I heard? Yeah, I've been in Where it the hell years. was my invite? I mean, open up your network a little bit. Am I going to have to pick a bone here with O'Rourke and the Crier? I'm pretty – I mean, it's the it's the Crier's brother that runs it. I join every single year. Although I, you only enter one bracket. Well, they, they, everyone in that league has entered like a million brackets. I only do the one. It's the same one that's in my bracket, same bracket that you had filled out that's got my autograph on it on Twitter right now. One every single year. By the way, if it's Duke, Kansas, like I predicted, that's two straight years of me predicting the finals and the winner. All right. You guys can all listen to Bracketology with Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg and, you know, with Dalen Cuff and all these guys that want to pick Gonzaga, Arizona, but you should start listening to the shark because I'm ripping out these winners every single year. All right. So I, I definitely think you're pulling an April fool's joke on me uh, with the whole Providence thing. So I'm just going to let that one. Slide. I'm not, I'm not. I think you might. I don't be. do I don't do April fools. I don't do that. Mature adults. I don't do April fools either. Taylor. Yeah, that sounds like what was, uh, was that Jay Feely? I don't play video games. I play, I, I play real life. That's right. One of the one of the all time Hardo quotes, and he followed that up with an all time Hardo picture. I think he he had like a gun in his waist belt, and he was taking a picture with his his daughter and their prom date. Uh, just be basically being like, "Don't mess with me. I'm the all time dad." But yes, April Fools' bracketology. I'm glad we got that out. Why don't we get this out as well? I wanted to bring this up last episode. I simply forgot. Huge hug to the UMass folks. They land Frank Martin, finally a beacon of hope 
out there at the flagship, someone who's basically a drill sergeant, but has a proven track record of winning. You can say whatever you want. He didn't go to the NCAA tournament, what, nine out of 10 years in South Carolina, except that one time he's been chasing that all elusive final four, which a lot of coaches don't have. He was really good at Kansas state. I believe that's where he was the year prior. This is as good of a get as you're going to, as you're going to receive if you're a UMass Minuteman. But like I said, this hire was about hope. Don't go with Mark Schmidt at St. Bonaventure who's going to just keep you above average. Don't go with some no-name. Swing for the fences. This is what they did with Frank Martin. And although he's on the back nine, this is a good thing for you, Mass Shark. Did you have any reaction to uh, Frank Martin going out to Amherst? All it takes is one time, like you just said right there. Danny O'Shea beat Kevin O'Shea down the street on Cherry Hill. The Little Giants, one time. All right, that's it. Good, Great hire. I mean, how can you not love Frank Martin? Uh, even at South Carolina, I, I know – I mean, he had the one Final Four run, but they're competitive every single year. I can tell you that as someone that's an SEC guy when you're playing them. They're they're never easy, even when they're down. Even this team this year, they had a little run in February where they could have made the tournament. And, Frank, I don't know where UMass is on the recruiting trail right now, but he certainly should be trying to poach some of his former players. I mean, this is the lawless world of, of college basketball right now with the portal um, and people transferring wherever the hell they want, whenever the hell they want. So who cares? you got to embrace the game. Friend of the program and loyal listener Cameron Leggy, who I spent some time with this last weekend, uh, approved the hire as a UMass alum. So that's all I really need to know about it. What do we think? Uh, how long do you think the turnaround will take? I think all three of us want to believe that UMass is going to be back. I think all of us want to believe that they're going to be a tournament team. Taylor, let me start with you first. How long is this groundwork going to be taking until we see them back in the tournament? Man, that's kind of a that's kind of a tough uh, question there. Uh, considering that Frank Martin, um, even though he has had success, he's also had a lack of success in, in some of his stops as well. Let's call it so. Um, I'm. I think it's a good hire. I think it's hope is right on the head there. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that a quote unquote turnaround is actually even ever going to happen. This guy, so. he, he, he doesn't know it. Of course they can turn. They're playing in the Atlantic 10, first of all. All it takes is one run, one year. You get in, you're a 10 seed, you beat the 7 seed. Well, is that what shot. we consider a turnaround? That's what I'm trying to think. That's, that's yeah, what, it, to just me, making the tournament, making the tournament would be what, oh, we, yeah. what would we call it. Making the tournament, so. absolutely. Have you met a UMass fan? You just well, yeah, 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 starved. Uh, um, they haven't um, made it since 14, man. Like that, that's yes. A tournament birth would be turning it around. So I'm going to say, thing. I'm going to say that they'll make the tournament in one time in the next five years. Yeah. That's a bit, uh, maybe, I mean, and I would call that successful. I don't think that's really going out on a limb, but I'd call I mean, it successful though. That's like, I would call that yeah. successful for sure. Go ahead. Shark. I would, I would, I would hope it's a little quicker for them, but it's the Atlantic 10, you know, they're not going up and playing world beaters all the time. Dayton is, apparently is going to be pretty good next year. Then you're competing with the Davidsons, uh, you know, the VCUs. I mean, these are all beatable teams each year. And even once you get to the A-10 tournament, that's a winnable tournament, no matter what your seed is. And you look at UMass's team, they actually played pretty damn well in the A-10 tournament last year when they had no clue who the next coach was going to be. And they had all felt doom and gloom when they were looking at it. Remember Noah Fernandez? Remember that little guy that played like Trey Young, like a real diet Trey Young? Why can't he be Frank Martin's Jacob Pullen? Why can't he be Jake Pullen for them? I'd like to say that I I referenced the Trey Young comparison there as well during the A-10 tournament. I forget who they lost to, by the way. Did they lose to Davidson? Or was it Richmond, the eventual team? 
Oh, they lost to Dayton. Dayton. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about a couple years ago. But yeah, I referenced the Trey Young comparison. I mean, obviously, it's a, a monstrous stretch. But Miranda, our, our, our good UMass guy, hated it. He said, if you refer to him as Trey Young again, I'll, I'll, I'll be very upset. But the hair is there. The stature is there. The play style is certainly there. And I think what the biggest breath of fresh air for the Minutemen fans is it's no more Kellogg, who just looked like like a complete loan shark. Okay. It's no more Pat Kelsey. Who's just putting on two, two shirts, too small. Okay. Who's the other one. It's no more McCall. Get a name brand guy. Like you did with Frank Martin. They held out. They got a dude. Uh, and you know what? They got a disciplinarian too. That's probably something that Minutemen need there. So let me make myself a little more clear here because I don't want to sound ambiguous with my, uh, with my pr- uh, prediction there. Cause I know shark will, you know, take that and ride with it. I'm saying one time in the next five years, meaning it's not going to take them five years to get back. I'm just saying what could happen is coach comes in, he gets a bunch of transfers. They have a good year, year after next or two. And then that's their one good year. And so I'm just saying one in the next five, I'm not saying it's going to take them five, one in the next five. So even if they peak and make it next year and drop back out, I'm still saying one in the next five years. You hear that UMass fans that that was the, public version of please don't come after me i'm so sorry being out there Blame i'm just being clear that. i'm just being clear i'm, I'm, I'm just being yeah, clear the, yeah. i was hacked type atmosphere umass fans you heard it in his voice uh I, I think you and i can both understand that that was not genuine and he does not believe in you i do believe in frank martin and i think umass is untapped potential in new england basketball starting to turn around up here Shark, can we start laying the groundwork for like a cross crossroads classic like they do in Indiana, right? You know how they have all the big name schools from Indiana. How do we get that in the New England region? Who do we need to call? Depends Presented by Titch. I'm not sure. Well, I, trust me, it depends on who you ask because the UMass guys are going to say BC doesn't want to play UMass. BC is going to say UConn doesn't want to play BC. Providence and BC will play each other every once in a while. Nobody wants to play at each, at each other's place. Uh, and then you got like, Harvard and Northeastern that probably wants to play everyone as well. So everyone's going to, it's like the Spider-Man meme. Everyone's saying they don't want to play each other. I will be, admit that BC typically does not want to play UMass that died when they were pretty good with Chaz Williams. And for whatever reason, the, they didn't want to get that on the schedule. Um, but yeah, I heard you guys talking about why can't we make it like Philadelphia and they're, they're, you know, whatever the Philly five, whatever it is, those schools suck. I mean, like who gives a shit about Drexel and Temple? All right. Those are just not good schools. There's one good school in Philadelphia. All right, so the schools up here are actually better in terms of basketball outside outside of Nova. And you want you want to throw Penn in there? I mean, come on, the Philly schools are really not even in the same boat as the ones surrounding the New England region. Um, I don't know like, why you threw that ricochet shot. No one's arguing that. Who's saying I heard, that? I, someone the, like, said it to me at some point, and I'm attributing it to your also, face. Also, right no now. respect to, for John Cheney at Temple. He's been, uh, uh, that's dumb. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, no, there is nothing. Yeah, I'm, done, not I'm coach. Done, done. Yeah. St. Joe's as well. I think I, I, I'm with the shark there. Um, let me just go back to Another the I guess. 10 team that shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. Makes a tournament every <laughs> once in a while. It's shocking. I know you kind of referenced this too, but it's shocking to me that Frank Martin has been gone from Kansas state for 10 years and that they went to the final four, like five, six years ago already. That's in, in South Carolina with Sidarius Thornwell. Can't remember anyone else that was on that team other than him. Oh, but, PJ Dozier. Okay. There you go. There. Oh yeah. Dozier. Uh, right. They had a they had a big unathletic white guy. I remember. 
We'll yeah. See. Okay. Whatever. So Darius. Yeah, an Eastern there. European name. Yeah. No, I like that South Carolina team. But a lot of fun. I they brought Darius Rucker to tears in MSG. People. Hey, I was at their Final Four last year, and things. So yeah, I'm for him. But it's still shocking to me that Frank Martin's gone from K State for ten years plus years. From shots you know 10 seconds 8 seconds 12 seconds you know i i know they're not buzzer beaters but there's like 96 percent of the 95 percent of the enjoyment of a buzzer beater i but guess let me let me shot with like eight seconds left but let me push back on that as well because my criteria is a game tying or game shifting like lead ch- change under 10 seconds and i've only used farmer friend like three times this this entire tournament so there haven't been that many under 10 seconds that's my criteria it's yeah, usually and even like, like 12 10 to 20 second mark even like benedict matherins is the one obviously that comes to mind for me that was still with like 12 or 13 12. seconds left yeah right i mean i was very ready to pull the farmer fran rub, nipple rubbing tweet on that one but couldn't but just something to keep in mind hopefully we are due for something obviously the jalen suggs half court buzzer beater last year highlighted the final four buzzer beater so we'll see what happens here I know all of us are big Eric Church guys. He's been in the news recently, and it's been intertwining with our lane as well here in College Hoops. Taylor, give me your general thoughts on – well, let me let me set the stage just really quick high level. Eric Church had a concert scheduled for, this up, for tomorrow, for this upcoming Saturday in San Antonio. His beloved, beloved Tar Heels are, of course, playing that day. So he said, I'm canceling this show. And I'm going to New Orleans to catch my Tar Heels. Fans are upset. Church is going to be in New Orleans regardless. Taylor, what are your thoughts? Well, I guess to use an Eric Church song, guys like me would cancel their concert, okay, for this type of situation here. Um, I do think it's funny, the the pushback that he's getting on this. Um the other funny part about it is he's not even a UNC grad. He went to Appalachian State, which kind of makes this even funnier to me. Um, I get it, though. Like, we're sports people. We're college basketball folks. But there's a great, uh, I guess, conversation that you, us three have, have had, whether it's with each other or with others. And that is if you schedule something during the Final Four, the Super Bowl, you know, shit like that, like, prepare to get your feelings hurt. Right. So if you are, I guess, going to a concert and it's during the final four, I guess, no, these guys probably don't even necessarily realize that Eric Church is this big of a North Carolina fan. I guess I didn't even realize that either. But I I guess if I had to lay on one side, it would be towards or lean to one side. It would be on Eric Church's side. You just he was supposed to be in San Antonio already for this concert. And the you, you know, I mean, I know that New Orleans isn't that far away i guess so i i don't know i i guess i'm with eric church on this shark how about you church or state hard learning <laughs> you gotta <laughs> kiss me now. how long do you how long do you have that one ready just now i promise really? just now church or state uh, i may look into that a little bit uh, i'm a hard church hard church he doesn't owe fans anything he refunded them their money what if he fakes sick i mean who cares he's just being honest with you all right he gave probably and I'm going to have to ask you to splice this in at some point once I'm done talking. The greatest country song in the history of the modern era, Springsteen. When I think about you, I think about 17, I think about my old Jeep, I think about the stars in the sky, funny how a melody sounds like a melody, like a soundtrack to a July Saturday 
That's the greatest song in the country of our era. Push me up. Can you think of anything? Don't give me some lame Kenny Chesney. We had a draft. I'm not giving you a lame Kenny Chesney. It's Springsteen. Okay, but anyways. uh, Yeah, he doesn't owe fans anything. If they're they're hurt by it, then don't go to his next concert. His train's going to keep rolling. This is something that he wants to do. What if the substitute was, you know, uh, his daughter's, I don't even know if he has kids, but his kids play. Oliver Twist. He's got to go see it. I don't know. I mean, if you're, you're blaming it, Taylor's point is fair. Uh, you should plan your calendar around big sporting events if they mean that much to you. I agree with that. He was probably surprised Carolina made the Final Four. They're an eight seed. I mean, so sometimes you got to plan. You know, you're doing the cost-benefit analysis. He's probably thinking, look, there's probably like a 90% chance that Carolina does not make the Final Four, so I might as well just get this calendar down in San Antonio. I'll go see the Alamo. Uh, you know, maybe bounce around the river a little bit, do my show. Everyone loves me and the train will keep rolling. But that 10% thing happened. So he had to go and, you know, make a tough decision. So too bad for the people down in San Antonio. You got refunded. Sorry if you got a hotel room. Um, He'll probably make it up to you at some point in the future because he's a superstar. Also, let me point out that one of the pushbacks that all the fans I saw on Twitter were having, all the people who made travel plans and took off of work, specifically was one that that uh was pushed back on and this is not to degrade anybody who works on saturday nights but the concerts on saturday night it's not a weeknight tuesday afternoon where you have to take tuesday off and then the buffer wednesday obviously because you got to take the buffer day like this is a little different situation where it's a weekend so i feel a little less bad given if it was like a tuesday yeah i get it where it's like okay dog like i live i had to take two days off like i had to get hotel rooms and shit you know whatever but this on a saturday evening it's a little less of a of an issue than maybe a weekday yeah, there's a few takeaways for me. First and foremost, I'm Hindu, but I'm going to church for this one, all right? I usually go to temple, but I'm going to church. I'm sharp in this segment. This is for Colin. I'm sharp in this segment. But, uh, Taylor, to your point, I actually saw something that was kind of a funny corollary. They were like, first of all, don't act like you haven't taken days off or taken work off for the tournament. We all do that. I literally take Thursday and Friday off for the tournament. So that's exactly what Eric Church is doing. Uh, number two, Eric Church has built himself, and any celebrity, really, anyone that has accumulated as much wealth, stature, whatever you want to call it, despite the fact that most country singers are down-to-earth guys, right? Eric Church and these people have built up enough and worked hard enough where they can tell anyone to screw off. I think that's that's the goal in life, is to basically say and do whatever the hell you want. Uh, without much financial repercussion, right? I can't go tell my boss to go kick rocks. Otherwise, I'll get fired and I'm out of a job and I can't make a mortgage payment. Eric Church, on the other hand, is a self-sufficient, self-employed individual who can do whatever the hell he wants, who's worked hard enough to say, you know what? I am going to pivot. I'm not going to hold this concert. I'm going to go see my favorite team play uh, in the final four. So that's number one. Number two, this is also why I don't do concerts amongst a, pl- a, a plenty of other reasons. Headphones work just fine, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Too crowded. Uh, the, the acoustics. Sometimes these people come on like an hour late. The only concert I went to, went to uh, that I truly, truly enjoyed. Actually, two. One, Pitbull. My lovely fiance got me Pitbull tickets in Phoenix a couple of years back. That was tremendous. Hardest working man in show business and two stagecoach. That's a great country festival. But this is why I don't go to concerts. So I can't get financially hurt like this. Headphones, use them. Uh, And then the other point, 
yeah, I think someone brought it up that he was definitely not expecting Carolina to go to the final four. Listen to us three strong teams, angling, biting our nails, thinking our team's going to go to a final four Providence thinking, Hey, you know what? Maybe we'll go to a final four. Must be nice to be a Tar Heel fan. Got, got, got a concert because there's no way the heels are going to go to the final four. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Let me just rearrange my plans real quick. So I'm definitely on, on Eric church's side here as well. Yeah. I'm supposed to go to a wedding reception on Saturday evening, by the way. I won't say for who it's a good friend of Subi and mine, but it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something that's in the back of my mind being discussed as, so uh, what am I going to do here? If Arizona was in the final four, there's no fucking chance. I'll go like that. I, I wouldn't be there, but still in the back of my mind, I'm like, uh, am I going to do this or what? You're both in my wedding. I would like a sincere pat on the back for avoiding the final four for avoiding the masters. And also I looked it up avoiding the start of NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs start Saturday the 16th. Now, you may have to miss some play-in action. Sorry. I, I suppose and I don't get a huge hug for that. NBA playoffs last like two fucking months. So I'm just letting you know if you want to get – I mean, everyone gets juiced up for the first game of their playoff series. I do appreciate your consideration of the Masters, though, because that's something that is near and dear to my heart, something that I will, full disclosure uh, – messed up in my mind of when your wedding was and when the masters was um but especially with we're waiting for a tiger woods announcement thank god that if he ends up playing thank god that your wedding's not during the masters so i do appreciate that you're welcome foresight all right let's get to these two games two games remaining uh on saturday and then of course the national title game on monday shark i'm going to start with you and we're going to start with nova kansas let's just lay it out there general thoughts what you're looking for and give me a prediction so it's the first game. Um, I, I'm very intrigued to see what Nova's going to look like. Everyone is freaking out a little bit after Moore's injury, but I think the train I, – I, I can't say it again. I said that a million times about Eric Church. That's a filler word for me right now. But I'm not sure there's going to be much of a drop-off for Villanova because of the way they play. Like I said in the last episode, they probably got another robot that can come in and be the next Justin Moore when the time comes. And, you know, maybe he's going to be able to produce. The key guy that's going to have to step up is going to be Caleb Daniels, who I was looking it up is actually from New Orleans. So this could be a big coming out party for Caleb Daniels. And then Gillespie, who does seem um, not himself. I referenced it on the last show. He was five for 20 in the regional when they when they were in uh, Chicago. Excuse me. No, not Chicago. San Antonio. Yes, San Antonio. Um, he, he, you know, doesn't seem to be himself right now. The other side of the coin is is Kansas. You know, Kansas had really one phenomenal half. Do you want me to go with Kansas? I didn't hear what the original question was. Keep going. They had one phenomenal half against Miami, but outside of that, they've really been stumbling a little bit. You know, they played Creighton when Cal Brenner was out, and it, they won that game at the last second. Uh, in the second round, who'd they have there? Uh, Creighton. I just they had said Creighton that. second yeah. round. And then the Providence game, they let Providence sweep them, sneak their way back into it, and then there they are. Uh, facing Miami, kind of getting punched in the face right away. Um, but with all that being said, the but being, and Taylor, I'm looking right at you, brother. Who has been the X factor, the key player at every step of the way for Kansas in this turn? You can unmute yourself. I want to hear you say. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, this was the point I was going to actually make myself. So, but I guess I'll let you go and, and go ahead. Well, I mean, it's because if, if we could roll the tape. <laughs> Okay, Shark, who's going to the Final Four out of the Midwest? Rock Chalk, they're going. Uh, and it's going to be, be, excuse me, it's going to be because of Remy Martin. 
You've seen it the last few games. He's coming off the bench. He has he has a key role for this team, getting to the bucket. Uh, I mean, Abaji's clearly the go-to guy. Brown is always hitting threes. I think they start Dewan Harris as a guard, but Remy Martin is going to emerge in this tournament. He's going to have a, a key role. He was the preseason Big 12 player of the year. Am I wrong in that? Dude, he gets he so many. He gets so many preseason accolades, which he doesn't deserve. But he's never wait, been wait, in wait. This position. Wait, wait, wait. Remy Martin was the preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year. Dude, he might have been. I think he was. He might have been. <laughs> I think he was a, a preseason All American too. Somehow, some way, he just gets. Well, these last year accolades. he was. Yeah, last year he was. Go ahead, so, sorry. So, no, but so I I think he's never been in this sixth man role. And I think that's going to be a, a way for him to really emerge and be a, a spark plug for this for this offense. They're already great defensively. Um, I, I just see it for Kansas this year. This year, they were my preseason pick to win the title, and I'm going to send them to the Final Four to play my balls. I can't imagine a more worthless player that has won more preseason awards. You are right; he was the the preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year. What does anybody have a stats up? What did he average nine points a game this year? I mean, he might be like the fifth. Yeah, no, he has, I mean, he was hurt for a little bit, and then he didn't play for a while, and then he slowly oh. self is giving him more minutes and more minutes off the bench ever since. What does Remy Martin have on everybody that they continue to say, Oh, well, he did the, oh well, this happened. Well, he got hurt. Well, this no, he's not fucking good. Like you can't just if you go school to school, conference to conference, preseason this and preseason that into what? Nothing. He doesn't he doesn't win any actual awards because he's not that good. I hate to say this because he's going because they're gonna go to the final four. That's who I'm picking. Their Kansas is going to the final four. And I hate this pick as well, but it's kind of a lesser of a two evil situation between Wisconsin and Kansas. I I, I've never seen a less talented, less worse leader, worse everything than Remy Martin, who gets picked. Well, for all of this He's team. not the leader of this team, so it's different. So you got to look at it in a different lens because they Whatever. had a great season. Whatever he was picked as a preseason All American last year and sucked. I there's so many worse different words circumstances. I, there's so many worse words that I could use. You just right picked now. him to go to the Final Four. Pick someone else, then you. Buffoon. Yeah, because, because of Agbaji. Like an okay. actual good player, not okay. because of the sixth fan who sucks constantly. And I know that he's going to hit like a three with 14 seconds left to win this game. And Shark's going to tweet at me and say like, oh, yeah, Remy White's going to go like one of 43. And they're like, oh, I told you that he was going to be the difference maker in this game. I'm picking Kansas. I can't talk about this anymore. Go ahead, Sue. <laughs> But you Listen, I've never, I've never said Remy Martin was a good like secondary piece. We just have said that no, he well, wasn't I, a preseason uh, All American. Trust okay? me, like, yeah, yeah, we know you said it for about twenty minutes. I mean, you're trying to make a point that really fell flat on his face. But you got some Marvin Gaye, some Luther Vandross, and some Remy Martin. Soup sliced that one in, in there right there too. Oh, she says she wants some Marvin Gaye, some Luther Vandross. Because these guys, I didn't know you knew that song. I didn't know you. I love, I'm a big Luther Vandross fan. That's a surprise. Um, but I, I mean, he's been he's been the he's been the goat, the motor for them. I mean, Abaji hasn't really been too aggressive. You can watch Abaji. He, he he's not the greatest dribbler in the world. He he. Um, I honestly expected more out of him. I thought he was the player of the year, and he hasn't been that terrific for them. McCormick is McCormick. I, oh, beginning of the year, McCormick, you you looked like 
he wasn't really himself from the seasons that he was beforehand, but he's been very good in the tournament. You know, Brown, Brown is Brown, but the key to that team has been Remy Martin hitting shots when they need him and being the energy guy uh, and putting up points. So I, I really don't know what to expect in this game. It's going to be a classic Villanova matchup. The point spread, as I see it, is point uh, plus four and a half. Um, and I'm going to take Villanova to cover that number just because I, I don't really tr- – I pick Kansas. I bet a future on on them at 9-1 back in December. I've been riding Kansas all year. I think Kansas is going to win this game uh, because – but I think it's going to be relatively low scoring, and I think it, it at the end Villanova is not going to have enough to keep up with the what I see as four good scorers for Kansas to Villanova who's going to muck it up and try to keep it tight for the remainder of the game. You know, there's just there's one last name that still appears in this game that if there's a time for them to show up, this would be it. And that's Chris Archidiacono. Is this the random game where he comes in and pulls like a Grayson Allen and hits like four threes? And just, I mean, you can already hear Jim Nance in the back of your mind, like screaming Archidiacono. Spike, Al- Spike Albrecht. Yeah, yeah actually, that's a better. Yeah. Actually, that's a better example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, so one of their, they have like three backup guards who play all play like somewhere between six and 10 minutes variously across games. One of them is going to have to play a lot in this game, whether it's, you know, um, you know, uh, I guess in filling in or if there's foul trouble or whatever, cause they're one man short now. And I just feel like it's, it would almost be like too poetic for an Archie Giacomo to come in and have like another impact on a game like this. So, um, not that we're talking about our bets already, but I guess we are. I'm also taking Villanova plus four and a half in this game. Um, that is both a head and a heart bet right there. Um, and full full credit to Remy Martin. He has been the guy who has made this thing go for Kansas. Um, really, you know, I'll, I'll call myself out here again and say really goes to show how how good of a feel I had in college basketball this year when the two teams I had my biggest question marks in the top 10 all year were uh, Kansas and Duke. And here we are talking about them in the final four. But I'm still going to ride with that and take Villanova in this game myself. I'm going to take them straight up uh, just because of, I guess, what Shark alluded to is that there's something about Jay Wright. We discussed it on our last episode and many episodes over the course of time. They just be able, they seem to be able to plug and play. Uh, if something happens, they just keep going. Um, I'm. I, we could break this down for half an hour same thing we could talk about with like why did st peter's make the elite eight shit like that i just feel like jay wright is so good of a coach that he can make up for any losses and that's why i'm rolling with nova in this one i gotta go with nova in this as well this is a very difficult decision for me to do especially with the more injury but kansas does have what do i always do a snow cone coffee in the summer coleslaw all things best served cold just like revenge. They have that on their mind as well. Okay. We're all talking about the Duke Carolina rivalry. And and obviously I I've said, it's the best rivalry in all of sports, but this is the first time they're meeting in the, in the tournament. Whereas Kansas and Nova, they've met a couple times very recently. As a matter of fact, Uh, Nova, Nova destroyed them with the Dante DiVincenzo team in the final four. And then a couple years prior to that, I think, uh, Kansas, who was a prohibitive favorite, yeah, uh, they Nova went on to win their their uh, 2016 title in the Elite Eight. I think Kansas only had five losses during that entire year, so 
Villanova has gotten the best of Kansas in the past couple of years. Now, I think this is Kansas is probably, I mean, that 18 Nova team was an absolute buzzsaw. These are probably the two most evenly matched teams uh, in their recent history. But I got to go with with Villanova for the mere fact, I can't believe no one's said his name. It's Colin Gillespie. This guy has I the- said it. I said it earlier. You did? All right, good. Yeah. Just I probably wasn't paying attention then. See, that's so, disrespect. <laughs> at least it's honest, though. At least it's honest. Uh, strictly because of Gillespie, uh, Ochai Abaji, he needs to show up. I just don't know. This is the toughest game of the tournament for him to show up. Uh, if you're talking about opponents locking him down, Justin Manaya did a wonderful job against him when when they went up against Providence. But now he's got to go up against the likes of Brandon Slater and maybe even Jermaine Samuels, who's an absolute junkyard dog. I just feel like Villanova has that experience. They have the guys that have played in big time matchups. Uh, in neutral course, Jay Wright, there's just too much of a machine mentality. And I feel like if Kansas gets down maybe six or seven with about 10 minutes to go, that's enough for Nova to just get it across the finish line. All they do is grind these games out. They just get you. They, I mean, they just pummel you. They pummel you to death. And so Kansas, I don't know if they're going to be able to match that. And Kansas's play earlier this year, the shark had brought it up. I think it's a good thing to bring up. They've been a little bit troubling. They can't, they, I don't know if they've put together 40 full minutes, whereas Nova, on the other hand, they've played some really quality opponents. They played an Ohio state team that has some NBA talent. Uh, they, they went on to beat Michigan who was hot and then they just suffocated Houston, right? Embarrassed Houston, if we're being honest with you. So I'm looking at the play of Gillespie. I'm looking at, I, I, the injury's tough, but I think the point guard play is is just enough for Nova to get across the finish line. This is going to be one of those games, by the way, that's going to be a knockdown, drag them out. I'm looking at maybe a 5-2 score at about 14 minutes left. That's what I'm looking at. Hardwood floors, tight rims, nervousness across the stadium. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm glad you just said all that because – it's it worked exactly the way I wanted to. I'm not taking Villanova. I'm taking Kansas. I just set you up on that platform right there. Give me the four and a half with Kansas. You talked about how tough Villanova is. They played one team in the Big 12 earlier this year. You, you want to know who it was? It was Baylor. Nova scored 36 points in that game. Baylor won by 25. All right. Nova in the tournament is four and oh against the spread. That doesn't happen forever. Something's got to give. I'm rolling with the Jayhawks. Rock chalk minus four and a half. Line it up. I'd like to just say Kansas got smoked by Kentucky at home. Uh, and so that's if you want to just talk about teams and previous wins and losses. I'm talking about you're talking about toughing it out, grinding it out. I picked a team from that conference for you right there. A team that was competing you know, against Kansas. My you guys lost to a St. Peter's. You guys lost to a team that lost to St. Peter's. I don't even know where your transitive property is going right now. You're the going property to, is that you're going to Kansas and then Kansas lost to St. Peter's. No, Kansas lost to Kentucky, which candidly, yes. And, and you, so I think that's, that, that's somehow a, think that that point is better than the point that I, that's did. a more embarrassing you're loss this than argument. losing to Baylor. That's you're a more embarrassing it. loss. Yes. With a side of half a, a loss that they did not even play the team in that you think that's competing with the logic I have. Nova is 4-0 against the spread. Something's got to give. They're not going to cover here. I That's think Kansas fine. is going to run him out. Villanova, their, their scorers are just not there. Gillespie's not the same guy. He's not the same guy with that injury. I'm going off of what we over I overheard in that Atlantic City elevator. All right? I overheard this in the Borgata elevator. Uh, it, could, it may be true for all we know. Some guy 
I was in the elevator, was looking on his phone, talking to his wife, and then nearly dropped to his knees like Peter King in a Milwaukee restaurant when he found out about Robin Williams, when he heard something about Gillespie. All right. And I swear he's still playing. I know that, but I'm going with this. I don't think Gillespie's the same guy. I think Kansas is going to run him out minus four and a half. And it, the reason I wrote but doped you right there is because I knew Taylor, I knew what Taylor was going to do. Taylor is going to hear my first pick and then he's going to hop on board. Like he's Rachie pancakes on my bracket picks that I can't win in our pool right now too. All you Arizona people, West Coast people, you're just fading my picks over there. Yeah, I was I was always taking Nova in this game. Uh, and actually, this is perfect because I'm going to buck the two uh, you know, things that you're talking about in terms of an over-under here. I actually think this is going to be a higher scoring game than people anticipate. So I'm actually going to take the over in this game as well. The over is like 133, 134, something like that. Essentially you know, equates to like a 67, 65 type of game. Uh, I'm actually going to take the over here because uh, I think that every all of us want to be, be like, oh yeah, these teams grind it out, or Villanova specifically, we grind it out. And I think the over, both the over and the cover is going to be hit by the play of one of those three random guards that we talked about. That's going to be the difference maker in both the game as well as the spread, as well as the over. I got it at 133. Is that what you said? Yeah, right in there. Right, yep. Regardless, delicious game and matchup, of course. Let's move on now to the rivalry game. Duke, Carolina, Shark, the tobacco road game. Uh, I mean, this has been hyped up the entire week. It's been hyped up the entire season. Who you got? Give me some keys. What are you looking for? I guess the first key point is that if there is the most impressive team in the tournament, it's got to be Duke right now. Uh, just with the, the teams that they've beaten, um, how they've looked, the talent that they have on the court, like even just Bonchero's the best player in the tournament, the shots that he was hitting against Texas tech when they needed it, when they were completely on the ropes, they needed those difficult threes. He had those Mark Williams is a monster on alley-oops and protecting the rim. Roach always finds a way to just hit a ridiculous circus shot in the paint or a floater in the paint when they need it. I mean, that team, AJ Griffin, like, honestly, I, he's kind of due. He's due for a big game, and they are so talented. And if you recall back to the Coach K uh, final game, Carolina just jumped out to such a huge lead. Duke crawled their way back towards the end of that first half, and then Carolina jumped out to another huge lead to begin the second half. Carolina was clueless defensively. Brady Manick was just raining freeze out there. Uh, Baycott was getting whatever he wanted. And, you know, it just seemed like an outlier of a game to me. And now as I look at this one, with Duke playing as confidently as they are, uh, with the talent disparity that they have relative to North Carolina. Like, honestly, Love is good. RJ Daniels is good. Duke's guards are just better. They, they really are. And that's not even – I mean, you need Brady Manick to have the shooting performance of a lifetime, in my opinion, for them to be able to hang on and beat them. So I'm picking Duke, and this is not a fake pick. I'll, I will put my flag in the ground right here. I'm going to take Duke minus four. I think that line is way too low. I think they're going to soar through that. Um, and I, I could see that going up higher over the weekend. And, and it's just Carolina is a great story. Um, it's actually not even that great of a story. They're North Carolina. I don't know why I said that. Duke is going to beat the shit out of them, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I am having a real tough time with this line as well. At force, It's actually amazing to me that this line is smaller than – the other game considering like you said the talent uh difference between the two that being said this is going to work perfectly because i am going to take north carolina plus four 
or plus whatever it may be. And actually it works. It's going to work well for me by the time that people log on to their computers tomorrow night or go finally get to Vegas or wherever they're going and start putting some money, uh, you know, on Duke. So uh, as it should spread to a higher uh, point total for me in North Carolina. Anyway, um, sure. Everything that Shark just said is completely right. Right. I don't think there's any, Thank any you. anything that it that can be debated about that. The problem with where we get to at this point in the tournament is it really doesn't fucking matter what the what what this says, what anything says. Right. Like St. Peter's went to the Elite Eight. North Carolina's in the final four. Like Villanova beat Houston, even though Houston was analytically a much better team than than Villanova this year. Whatever. So uh I'd love to tell you the whys and the hows and why Duke is better and how they have more talent and so on and so forth. But they were more talented. They were still more talented in Duke's last or uh, the Duke North Carolina game the second time around. Right. Like that was the still same talented team. It's not like they've added or subtracted anybody from that. And I think North Carolina has just shown a propensity to be able to rise to the occasion in big time moments, uh, whether it be Coach K's last game or whether it be against a number one seed Baylor or or whether it be just getting through the tournament. Did they so, really rise to that occasion, though? Did that feel like a rise to the occasion, or did that feel like jumping out on someone in a moment and kind of just ra- rallying off? Well, if they weren't playing in the Final Four right now, I'd say that could have been a one-off situation. But the fact that they are literally playing in the Final Four right now would probably go to say that, no, it's probably more of their ability to rise to the occasion over and over again than just a one-time situation. If they hadn't made it to literally the pinnacle of the fucking sport, yeah, I'd agree with you. But uh, that was five games, six, seven, eight games ago now. So um, I'm going to roll with UNC on this. Uh, Just two uh, Straight up. Yeah, I'm, that's who I'm picking. But for our betting purposes, plus four. Yeah. Not touching the total of this game, although I feel the opposite as I do on the other one. Uh, I feel more strongly that the other one's going to be an over. I actually think this is going to be a lower scoring game than what the uh, – total would suggest so you got a rematch. hang on i I just want to confirm you got a rematch of the chris jenkins shot then is what you're telling me nova carolina a lot of powder blue in there um because he's get it sounds like he gave us three picks i should give my third pick before you even go because it's relevant to what he just said is that all right with you father i mean you can give it i don't i haven't been recording all right so it's actually gonna work offline it's you're not recording this no, I'm saying I I haven't recorded it in my logs. Oh yeah, I got yeah. a spreadsheet. We'll, we'll we'll take inventory at the end. I'll tell you my last point. My last bet is going to be on what Taylor just said. Um, I'm going with the first half under of Duke versus North Carolina. That first half under, I believe, I have it at seventy one. Excuse me. Stand by. Continue to stand by. This is the preparation we all hope for in the final four. 71. Uh, it's about accuracy, all right? Uh, it's at 71. And my logic behind this, they are playing in a dome. People fall into this every single year. You got to get used to the dome shots. These are two jump shooting teams, in my opinion. You got to get used to having uh, not having that backdrop in a typical court that you're looking at. Duke has good shooters, but they're all freshmen. I don't think they're going to be used to something like this. Likewise, I don't think Brady Manick, who's a great shooter, is used to shooting in a dome like that. So I think it's going to take them some time to get used to it. I'm going to take the under in the first half. Sorry, Father. Please give your analysis. No, that's fine. And I, I always make a point to say that because of the dead floors, the dead spots everywhere. The ball bounces a little differently. The the nets, you know what I always talk about, the nets and the rims, the nets. I hope they're not 
tiny and taut. They need to be long and low. If you watch the Celtics game the other night, those were beautiful, beautiful nets. When the ball goes through, it's like a, like someone drops into a pool and does a cannonball, right? And the, it just goes crazy. So uh, I am going to go with Duke here. Now, everyone knows about the players on both sides. I'm glad you guys gave your analysis. And you might you might know and be proficient in college hoops, but do you know stories? Do you know storytelling? Do you know theater? Okay. Do you know drama? Because this is setting up perfectly for Coach K. Entering, when I was making my brackets, entering uh, the tournament, the only thing in my mind, my toughest pick really was Texas Tech over Duke. I kept saying to myself, is it possible? Is it possible in Coach K's last year that he will not make a Final Four? Every fiber in my being was telling me, no, take Duke to the Final Four. But I didn't because I was enamored with some nerd Mark Adams. And that was a hell of a game. Texas Tech was tough. But knowing theater and knowing what I know about plays and literature and film. Okay, the Oscars were just last week. I'm not about to slap you guys. Oscars just last week. This is so perfect for Coach K and a perfect redemption for him. In what universe, in what universe can you say as a Carolina fan, hell yeah. We knocked Coach K out. Last time we played him, we gave him a fat L, made the entire country laugh at him. And out of nowhere from the clouds, Coach K gets to descend and say, uh uh, uh not so fast. That only happens for a guy like Coach K. This redemption, I don't think people are truly grasping it. The first time ever that these two teams are playing each other in the tournament, and it happens to be the year that K is retiring, and it happens to be the year that Carolina went into Cameron and won. No, there's too much. There's too much on the line for the story. And I, I feel, I feel for Carolina fans because I tweeted this, and I suppose I didn't take this into consideration. I tweeted this on the night that they won in Cameron. I said, this is the end all be all pretty much, right? You can talk about, I mean, you're comparable in terms of final fours. You're comparable in terms of titles. You're comparable in terms of legendary players, but you have this, you spoiled K's last uh, hurrah. And you may not even get that out of nowhere. That might completely be stripped. And that coach K finale in Cameron, if Duke wins, which I think they will, that gets completely stripped. So I'm going at this from a complete theater perspective. Now, if we want to talk about players, Mark Williams and Armando Baycott is going to be an absolute war down low. I cannot wait to see those two match up. Uh, Baycott, double-double machine. Mark Williams has been playing incredibly well, but I'm going to give the edge to Paolo Bancaro, but more so just the storytelling. We're going to tell our kids about this one day. It's a bad situation for people who think sports are rigged, by the way. <laughs> that Coach K gets to the Final Four against North Carolina in his final year. Well, so what I would tell him is, look, Carolina shouldn't have even been there if because everyone was saying the game was rigged for Baylor to make a comeback. They couldn't hold on. Uh, I guess you could say, how does, Saint P- how does Carolina get St. Peter's, right? But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I'm not saying that. Uh, casual. The pageantry. Saturday guys. Saturday guys are yeah. saying shit like that. The pageantry will be incredible, and it's going to set up, in my opinion, for Duke Villanova. And it's going to be a game where it's like, hey, here's one dynasty potentially handing the torch off to another. But we got two remarkable games uh, this upcoming Saturday. I cannot wait for them. All right. <laughs> 
Now we are going to get to an interview with a North Carolina super fan, actually a good friend of mine as well, former coworker. Uh, like I said, huge Tar Heel fan. Let's get his let's get his thoughts. Let's get his state of mind entering this Final Four game against his arch rival. It's our interview with Brad Shin. We now want to welcome to the program UNC Tar Heel super fan Brad Shin. Brad, how are the nerves right now? How are your hands? I mean, you've had about a week now to sort of prepare, know the assignment. We're approaching game day, though. I've been trying to avoid as much social media and television as possible, to be honest with you. I was joking with someone the other day. It's like everyone in the world wants this game to happen, except Duke and Carolina fans, right? Like the level of stress is through the roof. I'm talking to people who are going super excited. But yeah, like this is the the thing I always thought I wanted, but I didn't <laughs> at the same time. But yeah, Saturday is going to be, it's probably going to be the most watched game television wise in college basketball history. Well, so I'm glad you brought that up because I guess putting myself hypothetically in this position, because I don't know if I'll ever get to a celebrate a final four. That's a different discussion. But when you have your arch rival going up against you, would you rather lose in like the round of 32? Yeah. Then, then, <laughs> let, no, let, how about this? Let me rephrase the question. You lose in the round of 32 or you have the chance to go on to the title game, but you know, there's still that opportunity of losing in the final four. Man, tough question. I don't know. There's just so much riding on this one too, since it's K's last year and we're coming like not expecting to be here and everything. I mean, I thought the the upset at Cameron was huge, but I didn't think like to have the opportunity to end his career. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. The thirty two one, it's the it's the fact that it's never happened before, right? Like, if I had any frame of reference where I could actually say like, oh, that felt better, or that felt worse. Like maybe I'd be able to say, but this is such a like random has never happened out of body experience that I don't know any different <laughs> to be honest with you. So I, I can't even look to Monday right now. Saturday I, is everything. <laughs> I honestly feel like this is what the rest of the country deserves. I've, yeah, I, I do feel like you two are like our little puppets dancing for us and this is just the theater that we're getting right now because if you think about it right duke won in 2015 the title right so they have bragging rights on tobacco road villanova came in one and then you guys won in 2016 or maybe it was 2017 so it was like okay congrats on your title that was short-lived now we have the title yeah. here now it's like let's let's just settle this this era i suppose right because i'm curious to know your thoughts is do you feel like something nefarious is afoot, something mischievous in the air in the sense that you had you had Coach K and you had that bragging right for the rest of time. We ended it in Cameron, and now it's like, that's going to become a footnote if you guys lose. I mean, if you spend any time on social media, that's all of me. Type, go, anytime Duke's playing, type in Duke refs if you just want some straight-up humor on Twitter uh during march madness i mean they're obviously a very very good team and um hell i a bunch of people were asking me like your bracket must be doing good i'm like you think i actually had carolina going to the final four in my bracket like i love this team don't get me wrong i'm a huge homer but like my my betting money wasn't where it's at now 
like are we better than an eight seed right now absolutely like the 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 eight seed is based off the entire body of work and the last month just has not been an eight seed and anything can happen right now now i just if if you're anything like me i do not want to see coach k's little victory lap anymore i'm so sick and tired of it <laughs> i just wanted to make sure like what the, the feeling in tar heel nation it's like god we pretty much pulled off the impossible in the last game in camera now we got to do this again i feel cheated from that moment uh, it's a little bit of both though. Like there was part of me going into the whole thing. It was like, okay, Carolina, we made the tournament. We're, we're, we're having a run. This is, uh, this is special. I just don't want to see Duke win it. And it's like to have the opportunity to be actually the ones that end it. it, it I mean, it's scary. It's stressful, but man, God, that beer afterwards would taste so good. I'm not going to lie. It'd be, <laughs> it'd be so awesome. All time beer. A lot of people oh go with their rankings like shower beer. I don't know barbecue Airport beer. beer. <laughs> <laughs> Beating Coach K to send him away forever. Oh, that could be like a Milwaukee's Beast Light, and it would taste like just the the most epic beer ever. Nectar of the gods. Hey, so when did you go? <laughs> when did you go to Carolina? Uh, two thousand three to two thousand seven. So I was there for the 05 title. That would have been my sophomore year. So. Felton, May, McCants, Jawad Williams, Jackie Manuel. Like, that was my – I was a Carolina fan before that, but that was, like, the team that cemented, like, everything I am today, to be honest with you. Well, that Actually, was maybe Jamison right? Carter. <laughs> <laughs> that was Roy's first, right? That 05 yeah. against Illinois? And the dig on him then was that that wasn't his team. He didn't – Doherty uh, – Doherty. Did I even say that right? Doherty. Uh, he recruited those three guys, and they made the NIT their freshman year. So, I mean, he came in and he won that, and then the 09 title with Hansborough and those guys, that would, God, that team was good, right? I mean, Ty Lawson running the point, he was friggin' amazing. They, they just lit up people that entire tournament. That might have been uh, the most anticlimactic season because Carolina went wire to wire the best team in the country pretty much. They had one close game, I think, against LSU in the tournament, and that was because Lawson, like, rolled his ankle. And then the rest of it was like they beat everyone by 15 on the way to the championship. I mean, you did it on the road, too, against Michigan State. I think it was in Detroit that year. It was in Detroit, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you saw a lot of great talent come through. Obviously, you've, you've, I'm sure, been to a couple of wild Duke Carolina games if you were to boil down some of your favorite memories in the rivalry you could have been a part of it at school or growing up or post-grad what are some of the biggest memories that really come to mind and you know what include some of the heartbreaking ones as well because both fans have have been through it I mean the to me the ultimate moment when I was in school for it was Marvin Stippen uh in 2005 I mean that insanity being in Chapel Hill at that point. To be honest with you, I got tickets to the Duke game my freshman year, um, which was kind of like unheard of. You get into the raffle and everything, freshmen don't get tickets to that game. But it was the overtime game where Duhon went up and under to beat Carolina at the buzzer. And it was just kind of like this, I'd never heard a stadium go so high and then so quiet in like a span of 10 seconds. so there's my low on that one. I was like watching the ESPN highlights of stuff. Like earlier they had it on. They always show that capel shot. 
They never mentioned that Duke lost that fucking game. Like it's, it's like I wouldn't epic have, highlight. I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, it's like epic highlight. They didn't even win the game. It's like this is bizarre. Um, and then I mean, Hansborough as a freshman taking down Duke on senior night with Reddick and Sheldon Williams and all those guys. I mean, that was. That was just sweet. <laughs> it's funny. It's it's funny you mentioned those footnote games because we were talking about this last episode. In years from now, right when we look back on whoever wins this Duke Carolina Final Four matchup, it's almost going to be like the Miracle on Ice, where people say, "Oh yeah, they won it for the title game." It's like, yeah. oh, they they actually got winner yeah. of this has to do one more. Yeah, I mean. To be honest with you, the the Carolina Kansas final or uh, championship matchup has storyline written all over it too. If that were to happen, I mean, Roy's first year away, sitting on the sidelines watching his two teams battle for the title. I mean, that's still pretty sweet. But once again, I can't let myself get to to Monday just yet. There's a well, I, I six and eight on Saturday. Whatever you thought my life expectancy was going to be, take five years off of it. I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. Now, again, not to, uh, we are f- here to focus on the here and now, but there's also a storyline between Carolina sure. and Nova, but uh, we, we don't have to cross that bridge. I know Chris Jenkins is enemy number two, maybe in that household. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, the fact that we went it the next year really kind of alleviated some of that pain. That's a good. But yeah. I mean, I, I still think people need to talk about how ridiculous that Marcus Page three to tie it was like that shot doesn't even need to happen if he doesn't make one of the most circus threes i've ever seen in my entire life just a double clutch three incredible player with jordan like 15 feet away from him epic yeah so i want to get your thoughts we 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 alluded to it just a little bit Mm -hmm. as a carolina fan watching that game in cameron when they trotted out coach k and all the other guys for the post-game ceremony what was going through your, what was your immediate reaction? Mine was laughter. I thought it was hysterical. What about you? I mean, the fact that he had his own logo for a victory lap. Are you kidding me? I mean, obviously he meant a lot to those guys. He came out the other day and said something like, oh, the reason I announced my retirement early was because I didn't want to mess with our recruiting or deceive recruits. I was like, kiss my ass. You wanted everyone to just you wanted everyone to just bow to you for an entire year. If you even try to make it about the recruits, you're out of your fucking mind. Um, I mean, it in the unbiased way, seeing all those guys, that's an incredible collection of basketball talent that they had right there. Like there were some absolute ballers. Um, and I like none of them. That's a fair reaction. I was just laughing because I know I've been in positions you have as well, where you have to do go through things. You have to do it. Right. But you also had to win that game. If you were Duke, if you wanted the entire country to take the ceremony seriously, I I couldn't turn off the fact that Baycott and Brady Manic just went in and drubbed you for the better part of 40 minutes. And now you know, you got Coach K coming out. You got all these players. I, I actually tweeted. I thought, you know, it would be an epic troll as if the Tar Heels came out and under the veil of like, oh, no, respect, but just showed up on the sideline. Now, that would have been something. I mean, the other you said it right there. The other thing is like, it wasn't like some epic finish. It was a, it was a pretty solid, you know, defeat right there. So 
I don't know. I always love watching the the camera pan to the crazies and everything when those kind of games happen because they just you just instantly became a meme. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> they are a very memeable crowd. Now let's go to your coach. Be honest with me now. No BS. What was your initial reaction and also expectations for year one of the Hubert Davis era? Expectation, I mean, there was no surprise. I kind of thought it was going to go that direction the entire time. Um, I mean, when a job like Carolina comes open, you hear the rumors of like, oh, maybe they're going to go after Brad Stevens or something like this. I'm like, no, they're not. They're going to keep this job in the family. I think as far as expectations, it's – He's such an unknown commodity, right? Like, obviously, he'd, he'd been coached by Dean Smith. He'd coached with Roy for nine years. Like, he obviously knows basketball. He's got NBA pedigree. But I don't think anyone knew. He, he was never that outspoken as an assistant or anything. I don't think anyone really knew who Hubert Davis was as a, as a coach or a personality uh, even. So it was so much unknown commodity. Now, truth be told, the last – two years basically since we won the title and i guess the kobe white year we were still pretty good but i mean we haven't been that great the last two years so it wasn't like he was taking the reins over some team that was preseason number one and expected to go to the final four like there were a lot of questions about this team so like my expectations were all over the map just because i didn't know what we were working with 100 like brady mannix has been absolutely incredible this year the dude wasn't on our roster last year you know how how is he gonna fit so I mean, I'll admit early on in the year when we were going through some of our struggles, I just, the Hubert's personality, I'm like, man, get mad at these dudes. Like, he just seemed like too chill, too nice to me at the time. And it it turns out he knew exactly what the heck he was doing. Um, And obviously bleeds Carolina blue, but I just think people had so many questions at the start just because they didn't know what they were getting. And I think Duke will probably deal with the same thing when Shire steps in next year. It's like, this guy's never done this before. Like, does he know what he's doing? Well, it's always interesting, especially when it comes to college coaches. It's it's the same in football, especially in basketball. Fans have this idea that, and you had mentioned this, keep it in the Carolina family. A lot of schools want that. Was there anyone else or another name that was sort of clamoring around in the Tar Heel family, basically saying, you know what? Yeah, Hubert's been on Roy's staff, but there's another ex-Tar Heel or anyone where people were like, was there anything that you saw that said, oh, God, we got Hubert Davis. This is going to suck. I don't think we missed out on anyone. Uh, There were some rumblings about Stackhouse, which he's done okay, uh, uh, you know? I mean, he's, he's in a tough conference, so. Uh, the the big one, uh, if it wasn't Hubert that everyone was talking about, is Wes Miller, who's now the coach at Cincinnati. He was at UNC Greensboro. Did a great job there. He 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 was in school at Carolina when I was there. He was one of those guys that transferred from Elon, arguably undersized, and he, he played on that Hansborough team that just went nuts. And he's done a great job as a coach. So, I mean, he's still super young. I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't in consideration in the future. Um, I just think it became pretty wildly apparent towards the end that like Hubert had been groomed for the job. It was, it was his to lose the entire time. So like the rumor mill gets going, everyone's on these message boards. Oh, we're going to go after, Oh, Jay Wright. And I'm like, hmm, come to Carolina. Are you out of your mind? Like 
He's got a great um, thing going. <laughs> uh, but I, I think everyone who really pays attention, like the writing was on the wall. So there wasn't any kind of like disappointment, I guess is the, is the best word there. But there also wasn't like, yes, like we nailed it. It was more like, okay, like let's see what we have here. Yeah. We are a podcast of accountability. Okay. Especially me. Now we had an interaction on Twitter, I think maybe in February where I said, and I tweeted this when Pitt was up by like 20. In the I, I remember this and that game was despicable. You weren't wrong. It was a horrible performance. But isn't it funny? What a fickle game. I said, I don't think Carolina deserves to be in the tournament. And yet here they are two wins away from a national title. What in your estimation has been the biggest turnaround? Like what's the biggest reason for this turnaround? I think we've been a little bit uh, more careful with the ball, a, a little less reckless. I mean, obviously one of the, the keys to this run right now is we've been shooting very, very well. I mean, at this point in time between Davis, RJ Davis, Baycott, Caleb Love, Manic, you got four guys that can take over the game at, at any point in time. I just think that there was some sort of light bulb that clicked in the second half of the ACC season where you could almost see these guys were slowing the game down a little bit. And I'm not talking about pace of play. I'm talking about in their minds. Like, it didn't look as frantic and reckless. You know, I mean, Caleb still has a tendency to do that every now and then where he's just, like, running around. You're like, oh, my God, dude, just, like, take, take a breath. I love the Energizer Bunny. But we're, we're turning the ball over less. Mondo's a walking double-double. At this point in time, like the guy, how, has, how did he not win ACC Player of the Year? Coach K, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a Wake Forest guy. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say you gotta you gotta blame the other tobacco. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I just I think that there's he's a grinder, right? There's a lot of his game that isn't like sexy, right? Like it it, it happens in the trenches. I think there's something to be said for when those votes come down for it. Sometimes it goes to the the flashy kind of stuff and. I guess, frankly, the, the team hadn't been as successful as as they're showing right now at that point in time. I mean, if Carolina goes in their first or second in the ACC, he probably does win that <laughs> award, but who knows? I just think that the whatever Hubert was doing that Carolina fans didn't realize along the way just preaching the patience and, and everything like that, when it finally clicked for them, you're watching, you're going, how the hell did we lose to Pitt? <laughs> you know, like, why did that happen? I guess, you know, learning lessons. When you look at Saturday's matchup, you can't say Bancaro to this question. Who's, okay. the one, who's the one blue devil that is making you shake in your boots? Probably AJ Griffin. He's doing like that. I feel like that dude just has such a, a, a skill set to go off. I mean, truth be told, the the these two teams have a really interesting matchup defensively. Um, and that was my fear going into the first game when they uh, smoked us because everyone's like, who's going to guard what? And we came out and put Armando on Bancaro, and he – gets two fouls in two minutes and then he's on the bench and then it's all of a sudden I mean Leaky Black is our best defensive player. It's not even close. So you gotta put him on your best score. Um it's just Duke can Duke can be scary when those when Griffin, 
Keels, when those guys can start shooting and they get on a heater, it's uh it's tough. And Mark Williams is he's a man. Like that that dude is is a beast. So we gotta stay out of foul trouble for sure. But so do they. I mean that's probably calling the kettle blog. Williams Baycott. We mentioned this earlier in the show. Williams Baycott is going to be such a fun battle to watch. I again as in a the neutral man. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I mean, those two are just terrific basketball players. Yeah. And these are two terrific teams. These are two terrific programs. I say this all the time, Brad. I don't want to hear about Ohio State, Michigan. I don't want to hear about Yankees, Red Sox. I don't want to hear about Chelsea, Real Madrid, man. I don't want to hear about Celtics, Lakers. Why is this? Duke and Carolina, the best rivalry in sports. My brother went to Ohio State. I've gone to Ohio State, Michigan games. It's crazy. Those fools hate each other. I mean, I think the thing about Duke Carolina is like, for one, the, the two schools are eight miles apart, right? I could, I spent four years in Chapel Hill, and I could honestly tell you, I'm not sure I ever went over to Duke and partied. Partly because their party scene sucks and everyone wants to come to Chapel Hill, but like, that's besides the point. Um, I think the other thing is like there's such a juxtaposition between those two schools and everything that they like are and what they stand for and stuff. It's like one is this in-state school that's 75% in-state kids and it's wildly affordable. And then the other one's this private school and it's a bunch of kids from the Northeast and they pay $57,000 a year for tuition, but they camp in fucking tents to go to a basketball game. It's like... I, there's just such a, a, a difference between the two that when it boils down to it, it's like the success on the basketball court, it, it, that's why everyone gets into it. But if you're like really ingrained into that rivalry, there's like, it's, it gets so, it's deep, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a cultural war. And then, I mean, besides the fact that what, every time they show that graphic, when the game comes on, it's like, Hey, the rivalry, rivalry, there's a one game difference and there's a three point difference between those. I mean, the games speak for themselves. So, I mean, you're like me. College basketball is, is my is my thing, you know, so like an exciting college basketball game to me. Pounding the floor is, is better than a, an exciting college football game any day of the week. But I mean, I think that when this rivalry comes, they just always show up like it, it never fails to deliver. It always delivers. That's what I always say, Brad, and it does it so often. You you talk about all the wins, but also the titles that I referenced. You won, you, you got two and three years, both of your schools. And then you look at the, I, I think it was the Trey Jones shot off the missed free throw. And then you look at the Austin Rivers shot. But then you think about the Danny Green teabagging of Greg Paulus. And, and then you think that was about, my computer background for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. That's an underrated part of this. And then you think about Gerald, uh, Gerald Henderson, cheap shotting Tyler Hansborough. Like there's, and the, the, the players, right. The greatest player of all time came from Carolina. Yeah. You think about arguably Thank the greatest coach. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. I, 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 that's that, that you could, I don't think we have enough time on this. Yeah, that's, that's a different podcast. Open that up. But you also got the greatest coach of all time, arguably and coach K representing Duke. There's just, and, and and the the what's the word I'm looking for the consistency in which crazy moments new chapters that are memorable happen right like just this year coach k 
the the press conference. We're going to remember that Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan just beat them for the first time in I don't know how many years. I just yeah. can't take it seriously, right? And now yeah. you have the, we've had two epic epic moments because i know saturday is going to be epic but we got this final four we got the coach k last game that's just in one year this is going to continue on with hubert davis and john shire yeah i mean it it is kind of bittersweet to to see that era kind of end i mean dude carolina isn't going away but no more roy no more coach k like it'll take a little bit of time getting used to that concept but the two schools aren't gonna that is that Stop was one of my other. that was one of my questions though, Brad. I mean, deep down in places you don't talk about, you're going to miss Coach K a little bit, right? I think that there's how do I word this? The, part of the rivalry is rooted in this mutual respect and everything like that, right? Like I tell people that I hate Duke. To be honest with you, that. I, I really despise NC State, but and it's like an actual despise thing where it's like, I hate you and I don't respect you. Like with Duke, it's like, I hate you, but like we kind of need each other a little bit. And like, do I like Coach K? Absolutely not. But am I going to sit here and be like, yeah, guy's a trash basketball coach? Like, no, like I'm not stupid. <laughs> I mean, when you see that much sustained success. So like, Am I going to miss him? No. Do I think that he was a big part of this rivalry and what it's become these days? Like, absolutely. And I'm sure Duke fans would say the same about Dean and Roy and, you know, everyone else involved. So it's it's just more like this sunsetting end of an era kind of thing, uh, more so than anything. But, nah, fuck Duke. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you end it. That's how you end it. Hey, I'll get you out of here on the last couple – questions you mentioned the party scene we always see it on i mean you've had enough celebrations recently we always see it on cbs and uh, the highlights espn sports center recapping your final four victories your title wins tell us about franklin street Franklin Street's great i will tell you this i mean i graduated 15 years ago so like there's a couple of the places i'll check in every now and then i've been back a couple times since I graduated, I go back to North Carolina, but it's usually like Charlotte, Raleigh, like where all my friends live. Um, the 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 scene has changed a little bit because some of the bars I used to go to don't exist anymore, and there's new. Just like it happens with with uh, a college town. I mean, Franklin Street's just really it's so centralized. It's really pretty, and it's just like it's perfectly located on the campus for just like making your way up and down. It's on the north side of the campus a bunch of bars, you know, you can walk right by where the, the quad kind of starts or whatever. Like that's part of the reason I would spend more time on, on Franklin street than ever go over to Durham is partly because there's just a ton more places. Um, and better looking girls. I mean, that's like besides the point, but, uh, Franklin street's great. It's, there's just a lot of institutions there. Sutton's drugstore and all these places where you go in and it's like, man, Charlie Scott was was chilling in here back in the day. And uh Chapel Hill is just kind of like that quintessential college town, you know, like you and I lived around here, like Tempe, Arizona, great, but like there's it's not a college town vibe to me. And like Chapel Hill so much is just 
centered around the college, the campus. Like so many people are affiliated with it. It's like, it's a community in itself. Yeah. I think that's a great response. Here's my last question. Where do you stand on church versus state? Eric church versus <laughs> the crowd. Uh, <laughs> your, face, I, your face was like, what the hell are we I, doing? I, here? I, was like, oh, uh, I respect it. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I, I There's going to be some story that comes out about how he ethically made this up to people, right? Like I'm going to hold a private concert and everyone who had tickets and yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's easy for me to say that because I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd probably do the same thing. Um, but I mean, we live in a different kind of society where people are going to come up with their own opinions, especially when it comes to pop culture. It's like, oh, this guy's selfish. It's like, no, just like me, he wants to absorb a once in a lifetime experience. But I get it. I don't. I also don't think it helps that you know everyone's been kind of starved for concerts and all these things for the past two years. So now that they're getting to do it again, to have one canceled is like uh, woof. I hadn't really thought of it from a COVID aspect, but I do believe <laughs> in one of his songs. I think it's Carolina. He says, "Carolina, keep calling me home." Right. So I mean, that's got, probably a fan a favorite. Six, he's got a six shoe game too, man. He's he's piling on those Jordans. I love it. It's going to be huge. Hey, Brad, thank you so much for spending some time with us, jumping on, giving us a real fan's perspective, because all we can do is take a look at it from an outward view, but you've lived it. You've really been in the shit with Duke fans and Tar Heel fans. So we really appreciate the time and Tar. Yes. Do you guys want to dive into the bets and officially lay them out for the theater goers? I'm happy to my, my three uh, and, to Taylor's credit, I think he's up, what, two on me at this point? Yeah, so the official standings right now, Shark, you're at 21 and 18, shooting at 53.8% from the field. Taylor, 22 and 17, a little bit higher at 56.4. Okay. So this is it. This is it, by the way, theater goers. And unless we somehow come out tied, we get, we'll send them out on Twitter for the finals. It's That's true. That right here. Yeah, here you go. Please, sir. I want some more. What? What? Ask for more. Give us your three. My three are Kansas minus four and a half, Duke minus four, Duke UNC minus uh, under seventy one. Hold on, do I have to say look this up again? Yeah, seventy one under seventy one first half. Got that, Father? I know that's a lot for you. Well, it was a lot, actually. Have you ever been taking notes in a call and the guy hey, look, just goes, I'm, hey. I'm looking at you like I just taught you trigonometry in the eighth grade over here. You're we're doing a little proofs. I did have trouble in trigonometry, Mr. Quatraki. Uh, why, why don't we do this? Why don't you stay with me after class for a little bit and we'll regroup on, on what you told me? Taylor, go ahead. Okay. I'm, Sign, I'm cosine, baby. Sign, cosine. I'm. With with no planning to this at all, so it's really fortunate that this is how it turned out. Given it's last week, is Villanova plus four and a half, North Carolina plus four, and uh, Villanova Kansas over one hundred and thirty three. Lovely stuff. Thank you, gentlemen. I don't sue, but I don't think this is really landing on you. But those picks couldn't be more opposite, and they couldn't. Be, this was with no previous discussion exactly. either. Well, I mean, we don't collude here on Titch. Why, so, why are you doubling down on this? You're making it. You're making us sound suspicious. So, so I mean, even I mean, though listeners are going to have to make a choice, who you want to go with? 
The guy that's picked the two finals winners for the past two years won the Jerome and is in position to win the bracket. They haven't uh, even gotten to the finals yet. You're already claiming as if you won that they've gotten to the finals. Uh, you picked uh, one so far, one finals in a row thus or far. Or the guy who's having a better season thus far. Yeah. See, Taylor, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Thank you. Someone's got to defend him. He can't do it for himself over there. Can't get a fucking word in over here. So are we going to take our finals picks then of what we have here, Sue? Do we want to do that? Do we want to do finals? Or yeah, we gonna, I mean, I, I literally just picked my, my, the teams that I got going. So I do think Kansas is going to win the title this year. I think Nova is going to win it. Duke. Perfect. Uh, this is great. This is Good perfect. Job. Duke, Coach K. I mean, imagine that one shining moment. Good Lord. That's that's going to be the one shining moment. Again, storytelling. Uh, before we get out of here, guys, where we want, if you were in New Orleans, Shark, and you couldn't get to the game, but you could get to a bar, any bar you wanted to, restaurant, Mannings. Mannings. Easiest question of all time. Man- Mannings would be the spot. Taylor, where are you watching in New Orleans? I don't know. Have what? you never been to New Orleans? No, I don't know. On a With an alligator? On a fucking airboat? I don't know. And not actually actually if you want to really, really take yourself away from the sport, which I'm very much looking forward to doing, get yourself out on a gator gator boat fan boat tour, man. They're a lot of fun. I, I will. I will. But uh I I have no answer for you. I apologize because I'll be watching at my house, I guess. So Mannings is a wonderful location, wonderful venue. Afterwards, maybe hit up Boot Scoot and Rodeo. Uh, Harkening back to what the shark said last episode, you can ride the, what would you say, the fake horse? Is that what you called a mechanical bull? I did say that, yeah. Yeah. I was honestly, I was mowing my lawn listening to that the other day, and I was still laughing at it, like, out loud. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I don't know what to tell. I I know what a mechanical bull is, too. I don't know what my mind was doing. It'd be like that sometimes. All right, enjoy the final four. We will be back to recap next week. And as always, thank you for listening here uh, on Theater and College Hoops. We'll catch you after the title game.